Braves, Bulldogs, Falcons, Yellow Jackets, Hawks, Eagles. From the heart of Georgia, it's the Bill Shank Show. Our number three of our program. Thank you very much for joining us here on this Wednesday. It's 5 o'clock. Hope you're getting off from work and leaving and heading home. And as you head home, we appreciate you listening to us. Hope you'll call in and join the show as we're talking a little football this afternoon. We have several topics we've kind of thrown out there. Of course, we're talking about the Falcons and their situations. We're talking a little bit about the Hawks, less than 24 hours away from the NBA trade deadline. Mentioned earlier in the show about should the Braves sign Trevor Bauer. A couple of things out there. By the way, so Phil from Knoxville on Twitter shared with me a uh, piece that was actually uh, I saw from the Wikipedia page of Rich McKay. McKay is the longest standing member in the history of the NFL competition committee. 30 consecutive years, 26 of which he has served in the chairmanship role, making him one of the more influential executives in the league. So you're telling me, Arthur Blank, that the chairman of the competition committee in the NFL is no longer going to have anything to do with your NFL football team and he's only going to be part of the soccer team? I mean, when we said that to D. Orlando Ledbetter the other day, <laughs> he laughed. I don't think he believed it one bit. I don't believe it one bit. So, you know, whatever. More BS to float out there to us. Annika in Athens you don't buy that, that Mitch McKay is just going to go away and not be heard from ever again in Falcons history, do you? <laughs> no. I don't think any of them are ever going away until they die, I guess. Yeah, probably not. There's, people have even laughed at the possibility of Arthur Blank leaving the Atlanta Falcons to Rich McKay. How horrible is that? That'd be, a, that'd be a nightmare, honestly, a nightmare. I, I can't imagine a worse scenario than that, honestly. I know. I Which agree. is basically what I w- wanted to talk to you about. I mean, you, oh, my book bag just flew because I break too hard. If you guys heard that, that's what that was. But, right, now you're not one of those crazy female college drivers, are you, in Athens, are you? Yeah, no, this blue Nissan just slammed on the brakes. And so I was like, whoa. Oh, God. I didn't want to hit it. Be careful. But we're good now. We're good. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so I I mean, even the you told us all, you know, I, I know you're disappointed about Belichick, but you know, believe in believe in Morris, let's just see what he can do. And I was I was like, Okay, let me listen to Bill, I'll I'll buy in. And then the very first co- press conference, we're already talking about how collaborative we're going to be with the front office and yeah. how involved they are and how close they've gotten already and it it just scares me it makes me think that maybe change is not coming to atlanta well here's the way i look at it something forced arthur blank to make that announcement about rich mckay whether we buy it or not which i don't buy it i think at the minimum he heard of the criticism, whether it was in the public or even inside the league or even from Bill Belichick 
about, hey, look, you need to let your people do your job. Now, Terry Fontenot said at some point, one of the interviews, I don't think it was during the press conference, but I think it was one of the interviews after the press conference, and and it was even reiterated by Thomas Dimitrov that Arthur Blank does not interfere. Well, that's that's a lie. I don't buy that a bit in the world. I think I think Arthur Blank was behind the Deshaun Watson situation. I think Arthur Blank was behind the Falcons for life bullcrap of we're going to give. So Thomas Dimitrov's going to try to convince me that he's the one that wanted to give Julio Jones another contract in the middle of him already having a long-term contract. I don't believe that. That wasn't a smart move, and that sounded like something Arthur Blank would do when he wanted to make them a Falcon for life. So, you know, these people are very loyal to him because he's made them rich. Let's be honest about the situation. And, and he's a very loyal person in himself, so they're going to be loyal to him. But I don't, I don't believe any of that. And, and you're right, the press conference. And, and the reason I've said what I've said, Annika, is I do want to hold out hope that if they will back away and simply let Terry pick the players and Raheem coach the players, maybe this will go in the right direction. But it didn't do me any good. The other, I mean, I knew the word collaborative was going to be used. I, there was no. I mean, we joked with the Orlando Ledbetter on Friday, and said, "What's the over under?" And he said twenty two. And I, I think we said yesterday someone said it was used like eighteen times in the press conference. It was ridiculous. He was even mocked in the AJC's front page about how many times it was mocked in the headlines and in the article, in the column about how many times they used the word collaborative. But what got me even more was the fact that Raheem Morris said out loud, this is the third time Rich McKay's hired me. Oh, wait, so you mean Rich McKay is the one who selected you? Who selected this guy? So, you know, there's enough to still be skeptical. We are scarred fans of this franchise. Others may laugh at that, but we we are. We, We come into the room with skepticism because of the crap we've put up with with this franchise, unfortunately. And I don't think that press conference did a whole lot to diffuse that. But I'm, I mean, we don't have any choice but to try to see if this can work. And I, if they are left alone, I think it will have a better chance than if they're not. Yeah, I mean, I agree. And then even the Arthur Blank press conference, I guess it was a while ago, where he basically was like, I don't feel like the coach's hires have been that bad. It honestly <laughs> felt kind of like a slap in the face. Like, what do you mean? Like, we're a poverty franchise. And so then, like, for him to just continue to hire these coaches or have McKay hire coaches, I don't even know who's doing what over there anymore. But it's just – it, it makes sense for us all to be like, oh, I don't know if I believe you. I don't know if I believe in this. And it just turns more and more people off of the Falcons. I mean, I've heard multiple people call into your show and say, I used to be a Falcons fan. And I've even said it before that I used to be a Falcons fan yeah. because I just can't get into it like I used to because it's so disappointing year after year after year. Well, and, and the, sad, the sad part, Annika, about what you just said is – that, that if they had hired Belichick, okay, even though some people would have been skeptical because of the age and because of, well, he's not this without Tom Brady, he's not that without Tom Brady, there would have at least been interest in the Falcons. People who may have been casual Falcons fans would have said, oh, crap, Bill Belichick's the coach of the Falcons. I need to pay attention to this a little bit more. And and that, that would have been a positive because there are people who have been – there are people who have said, I ain't watched that team since they lost in Houston. 
And when people hear stuff like what we've been discussing here, they are turned off. I mean, like your comment about what he said about the, the head coaches. He's delusional. Dan Quinn's 43 and 42. And, oh, he took him to the Super Bowl. Hold on. He took him to the Super Bowl, but they choked in the most embarrassing Super Bowl in the history of the event. So don't tell me about that being a positive hire. But you know what? The problem is he likes them. Because he likes them because he let, they let him boss them around. Yeah. Which has been the problem. Yeah. So what's Raheem going to do? If Is Raheem going to stand up to Arthur Blank? Let's say Arthur Blank walks in and says, hey, you know what? I think Justin Fields coming home to play in Atlanta would be great. Now, it's okay if Raheem Morris thinks that, but not Arthur Blank, right? I, I, I think even with what Raheem said in the press conference about being hired three times just proves that it's what McKay wants how he feels about it. Yeah. Not really even apparently anymore what Arthur Blank or Raheem Morris feel about it. Right. Because would you would you have ever thought that if it was up to Rich McKay that he was going to say to Arthur Blank, yes, I think you should hire Bill Belichick? Hell no, right? No, no way. No. Nobody in that front office wanted them to hire. I mean, I know people in that Falcons front office where – they are Falcons for life. Like, they've been there 29 years. And so they all just bite. Like, you can't bite the hand that feeds you, I guess, is kind of right. what's going on over there. Sure. So. And I and I get that to a certain extent. I get it. But it's like, okay, Arthur, your loyalty is, is appreciated and commendable. However, how is that helping you win games? It's not. Being being – being a personal fan of Dan Quinn, being a supporter of Arthur Smith, you haven't won. And, and you know, and D. Orlando Ledbetter, the AJC, said this last week when we talked to, to him, and he said it several times the last several weeks. We don't care about all that crap. We, the fans, just want to win. So we don't care about his loyalty to Rich McKay or any employee or their because, of course, it's like I'll never forget. It was, I guess, it was two weeks ago, Tuesday, two two days before Morris was announced, and and they, someone had a tweet. One of the national reporters had a tweet, and they wrote in the in the tweet, "Well, the current Atlanta Falcons executives are trying to talk Arthur Blank away from Bill Belichick." Well, hell, of course they were. They didn't want to lose their jobs. That shouldn't have been breaking news, but it's like, and you know what? I think they were successful. Or, again, they were either successful or Bill Belichick told him to stick it. I But, see, for that, I mean, he's now jobless. Like, would he – was he really – was it Falcons or nothing for him? Like, I don't – I mean, at that point, it's like, okay, you tell them to stick it, but then you don't have a job. So, is that really what he wanted? I just, I don't know that I can buy into the belief that he didn't want to be a coach anymore. That he would have two interviews with the Falcons and then just be like, no, I'm done coaching. But, well, but if he was skeptical of the Rich McKay situation, I, 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 because we've got to remember, Bill Belichick and Bill Parcells were close at one point. Bill Parcells evidently told Arthur Blank 15 years ago to stick it when he said, I'm not coming if Rich McKay's involved. 
And I, I think at that point, I'm pretty sure Bill Parcells was on the competition committee. So did Bill Parcells share that information with Bill Belichick? I, I don't know if he did or not. But, I mean, we heard early on in the process that Belichick didn't was really not interested in having Rich McKay as part of the situation. And, again, their retort to that will be, well, we've moved him out of the way. Well, not if he's still in the NFL competition committee, you haven't. You, I mean, that just doesn't add up. And see, here's the problem. There's nobody there to really challenge Arthur Blank on something like that. I mean, God bless him for whatever kept him from being in the in the press conference. If he had a medical issue, I understand that. But I think that kind of question should be asked. Well, you know, if, if you got to talk about Rich McKay here. They said in the AJC column that McKay – while he was there on the side of the press conference, and I saw him in the video that Channel 5 had, he dipped out before the end of the press conference, probably because he didn't want to ask, answer any questions. He didn't want to be asked about this, especially after he, Morris, had just said in the press conference that he was hired by Rich McKay for the third time. That's why he dipped out of the press conference. He didn't want to answer that question. Yeah. it. it <laughs> I have very, very, very little faith in anything they do, and I – at this point, don't expect them to answer questions or hire good coaches because they've just proved unable, and it's very disappointing. Yeah, I know. I'm with you. I'm with you, Annika. Thank you very much. I mean, again, I I want to give Raheem Morris a chance. We don't have any choice. I mean, neither I nor Annika nor any of you who didn't agree with the hire can change it. And I don't want to be hypocritical because I said that if, okay, if they can't get Bill Belichick, if they can't get Jim Harbaugh, and again, I never thought they were going to get Jim Harbaugh. That was a pipe dream. Maybe Belichick was too. Maybe maybe because Belichick and, and Annika just asked about did Belichick really say stickered or was he that strict on what he would, what the conditions would be for him to come back and coach? Well, I mean, you could look at it and say, would he have been comfortable working with Terry Fontenot? Or was he going to bring in his own general manager? Well, look, if, if, if Arthur Blank believes that Terry Fontenot deserves to continue being the GM, and if, Arthur, and if Bill Belichick said, well, I'm bringing in Michael Lombardi, who was with him for a while in New England, to be the general manager of the team, I'm going to name the general manager of the team. I'm going to be the guy who's going to pick the general manager of the team. I mean, I could see Arthur Blank's ego saying, well, no, you're not. And, and again, we we can't ignore the phrase, the word rather, not the phrase, the word, that again, you, you go to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution on Tuesday, the day after the press conference for Raheem Morris. I'm going to bring it up. I laughed. I, when I saw it on Tuesday, I laughed so hard. And, and, and I, I'm, of course, D. Orlando Ledbetter was not there. He, had, he was in, he was in the, uh, at the Super Bowl. But let me go to the, to the Monday, or rather the Tuesday edition of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. This is online now, and sometimes I think they change what is in the actual paper. I wish they would just put what's in the actual paper. Instead of putting the same thing on there. All right, so first page, A1, a special moment. Falcons, Mars makes history. And then you go to the, the sports section, 
And the headline is, hold on, let me bring this up here. The top of the page. New coach Morris eager to collaborate with GM. And then the headline right below that of Ken Segura's, <laughs> Ken Segura's column, an episode of Friends broke out during the introductory session. Then you go to page, let's see, the, okay, the, the, then you go to page two. Uh, this is online only. And, okay, the top headline of page two, Mars comes to Falcons with losing record but new approach. Then below that, you have another article by someone I don't know who this is, Lawrence Price III. Raheem Mars talks, quote, collaboration, unquote, in selecting developing quarterbacks. I mean, I, I, I just thought that the AJC was plumb mocking the whole process by using collaboration and not one but two headlines of the event on Monday. And the funny thing is, we, we've said for a week, how many times is the word collaboration going to be used? Now, here's the question I have for you. If Raheem Morris was watching from afar the process of the Falcons selecting a head coach and the options were Supposedly now, I, I don't. I'm not saying this factually because I wasn't in the room. But supposedly, with a veteran head coach with six Super Bowl championships, who supposedly was going to want full total control, or a first-time head coach, or him. Basically, that what that's. Well, no, that's not true. Basically, he had first. There's first first-time head coaches. There was what. Nine first-time head coaches. Then you had Belichick and Harbaugh in one category. Then you had Vrabel and Morris kind of in another category as someone who had had a head coaching opportunity before but was going for their second head coaching opportunity. And it's like, well, if, if Raheem Morris knew that Bill Belichick was going to want total control, guess what phrase and catchword – Raheem Morris, if he had any common sense at all, was going to use when he went into his press conference or went into his interview. Hey, guess what? I want to be collaborative in my approach as a head coach. I want to have the kind of relationship that Sean McVay and Les Snead had in Los Angeles. I want to be collaborative on everything we do. Well, guess what? That was probably the key word that got him the damn job. Especially if the owner who has all been about collaboration, wanted to hear it. I mean, Raheem, and I don't want to take anything away from Raheem Morris because, again, compared to a first-time head coach, while there were coaches on that list like Bobby Slowick and Mike McDonald, who, sure, I was interested in, the the bottom line is I wanted someone with experience. Now, I wanted one with the most experience of them all, But I wanted someone with experience. I want for Raheem Morris to take the experience he had in Tampa Bay 15 years ago and be better the second time around. And if that includes the need for him to tell Rich McKay or Arthur Blank to get out of the damn room, I hope he's got the cojones to do it. I don't know if he does or not, but I hope he does. So, I mean, Raheem Morris was my fallback option, too. Okay, you can't get Harbaugh. He's not coming to Atlanta. I never thought that. You're not going to get Belichick. Okay, then who do you go to? I would have taken Raheem Morris. But it does, as Annika just pointed out, 
make you question the ability for that new head coach to be any different than the ones that they've had before. In other words, the reason I one of the reasons I wanted Bill Belichick was that he wasn't going to give a damn about having the cojones to say to Arthur Blank or Rich McKay, y'all need to get the hell out of here. And if you're Bill Belichick and you won six Super Bowls, you should have that right to tell the owner even that in itself. But would someone who's coming home, who's going to be collaborative, be able to say that? I don't know. And that's why people are still skeptical. 478-646-ESPN. We'll take a break. We'd love to talk with you. Back with more sports talk right after this. Now, back to the Bill Shank Show on the Superstations. in our rotation. These open intros are good. I'm on it. All right. We know this one from 1971. Number 18 for the year 1971. There they said, Brown Sugar, from the album Sticky Fingers, went at number one on the Hot 100 and number 18 for the year in 1971. Got one more, probably know what it's going to be. Next week it's going to be all love songs, oh my god Chris, what is it going to be like, DeBarge? Uh, oh, no, 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 no. This is uh, stuff that we've actually played before. Okay. But are considered love. And I and there's one I know you will like. Okay. Um, all I'm going to say. Give me a hint. Um, a duet. No. It, well, I don't know. It's been a few years since I've heard it myself. But we have it in our system. We just okay. don't play it much. A love song. Yes. Um, Female it, singer, male singer. I'll just go ahead and tell you it's from a movie. Oh, God. If it's you don't bring me flowers, I'm going to throw no, no, up. No, 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 no. Um, it's, um, it, it, it's also the name of a fish that you find in the water. A fish that you find? Well, where the hell do you find fish outside of the water? Well... There's that, right? <laughs> in a <Let> tank? Me... <laughs> in a tank? Let me rephrase. A, a goldfish. <laughs> no. Um, wh- okay. It's um, a fish that you find in the water. Well. Yeah, I'm, I fa- I phrased that. So. <laughs> <laughs> so this isn't Mama Cass because she would be a beached whale, right? <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, it's, um, that was cruel cause she's dead. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> rest in peace, ham sandwiches. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Supposedly. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, I'll just go ahead and tell you it's from, it's the love theme from Sharky's. From Sharky's machine. Yep. Oh my God. That's the best song ever made in the history of the world. <laughs> you mean from, from, um, oh my God. Hold on. Hold on. Before you. Ye- 
All I know is all it says is the love theme from Sharkies. I don't know the actual name of it. We have it in our system. You asked me to play it like years ago, back okay. in 2018. Okay. Well, that's got to be. Well, there were several songs from Sharkies. There was My Funny Valentine, but I don't think that was that was the Julie London version. But I don't uh, version version version. But I don't think that's. Uh, it's got to be. Um, uh, crap. Um, Sarah Vaughn and Joe. Not Joe Lewis. Oh hell! I got to look this up now. Burt Reynolds. No, Burt Reynolds. He didn't sing the song. Oh. The only, the only, I think the only song that Burt Reynolds ever sang was "Let's Do Something Cheap and Superficial." <laughs> <laughs> I think that was from Best Little Whorehouse in Texas, if I remember correctly. Sarah Vaughn and Joe, what's his name? Joe Williams. That's got to be it. Before you. Well, that's a great song. I love that song, but I don't. You know, as long as it's not some, you know, we're not going to have Celine Dion or anything, are we, Chris? Uh, oh, hell no. I mean, God bless her. I'm sorry she's sick, but, you know. Hell I mean, no. Like that song from the Titanic, hell no wonder the damn sink sunk. <laughs> if they were playing that song out there in the middle of the ocean. Good grief. How about Rex Ryan? He interviewed, a good transition here, for the vacant D.C. job with the Cowboys. Wouldn't that be something if Rex Ryan gets back into coaching after being on television for a while? I wanted Rex Ryan to get the job when Dan Quinn got the job in Atlanta. But, of course, he was a former head coach, so forget about that. Uh, that's not going to be the, the uh, ticket for Mr. Blank. But, anyway, interesting that all of a sudden, after being on TV for a few years now, Rex, and, of course, Rex, the son of Buddy, who was perhaps one of the best, you know, was Buddy Ryan the Leo Mazzoni of NFL coaches because he did have some unbelievable players in Chicago. <laughs> I mean, he, he had ridiculous talent. Richard Dent and Mongo and all those guys. McGarry Fensick, my Lord, those guys in 85 were ridiculous. Mike Singletary, right? They're, it's like, you know, coaches get a lot of credit when – teams that they have do well right duh 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 well they got talent and and look i i think it's sometimes unfair for leo mazzoni for people to say for example i'm just using this as an example now well sure leo mazzoni was a good coach but who the hell wouldn't have been good with greg maddox tom glavin and john smoltz that's true i get it but you can't say that leo mazzoni wasn't a good coach just because he had three Hall of Famers in his rotation. Did they make him look better? Well, maybe. Did Tom Brady make Bill Belichick look better? Well, maybe. Did all those defensive players for the Bears make Buddy Ryan look better? Well, maybe. So, you know, coaches are always as good as their talent. That's why when people would say, and, and I hate to harp on this continually, well, you know, Belichick, what has Belichick done without Tom Brady? What coach was going to have Tom Brady for all those years and then not have Tom Brady and win a Super Bowl immediately with Tom Brady gone and Cam Newton as their quarterback? By saying that, you're saying that someone better than Bill Belichick could have made the Patriots better if they had 
even if they had had Cam Newton or Mac Jones as their quarterback. I don't believe that. I mean, coaching and talent goes hand in hand. You've got to have good coaching and good talent at the same time to make it work. And anyway, I didn't mean to get off on that tangent, but nonetheless, it's true. It's true. And, you know, and here's the thing. Managers, coaches would tell you that. And, and, and I'm not saying that there haven't been managers or coaches that have gotten a lot out of their team. Did Brian Snicker at the end of the 2017 season when they had started off so poorly under Freddie Gonzalez and they played better, they played harder with Brian Snicker. Did Brian Snicker make a difference? Well, yeah, and that's why he probably got his job in 2018 to continue on as the manager. I mean, that record after Brian Snicker took over was a hell of a lot better winning percentage than when Freddie Gonzalez was the manager there. And the talent didn't get any better. I mean, it got maybe a little better, right? I mean, they had a couple of people come up in the second half of 2017 that were not there early in April and early May when Freddie was the manager before he got fired on May 17th. But still, yeah, that year, Brian Snicker made a difference, you know. And it may have simply been, not to take anything away from him, it may have simply been a new voice and a new outlook compared to what Freddie, because Freddie was basically a lame duck. I believe he was. And and is that fair or not? Well, it doesn't matter if it was fair. It was pretty much, and, and we talked about this a lot when it happened, you go down a certain road, sometimes you can't back out of it. Freddie, Freddie, I think it was inevitable that he was not going to be leading that team when they turned it around. And therefore, you know, it happened, obviously, because they started off so – I mean, my God, they were playing so poorly. Remember that Remember that game before he got fired, that Monday in Pittsburgh, where it was like – it was really bad. And, and again, you know, in a way, that's out of Freddie Gonzalez's control. You're, it's like you, you're doing the best you can. But if they know you're on the hot seat and they know we're rebuilding and they know this is not a winning team, it's tough to recover out of that. Now, you hope a new voice can kind of do exactly what Snicker did that year, but – you know, Brian Snicker will tell you, well, you know, how did he get better in 2018 to become the full-time or, or you know, in, especially in 2018? Were they a little bit better in 2017? Yes. Then the scandal hit, and thankfully he was able to keep his job, and there's no doubt that he was the right choice for, for that team when they were so young because he had the player development background. No question. There was no doubt about that. And then when they – were ready to win of course they won in 18 and nobody expected them to be doing that because it was a surprise then it was like wow you know this team's really overachieved and done well they weren't the most talented team in the world but look what they did and and you you, but you got to have talent you've just got to have talent any coach at any level will tell you you know i'm a hell of a lot smarter when i got better talent a lot smarter i mean arthur smith and and I didn't like Arthur Smith from the beginning. I didn't think Arthur Smith was a good choice. I didn't think he was a very good head coach. I didn't think he was going to be a very head coach. I just didn't feel it. I didn't I didn't get it. You know, it's like judge of character. Sometimes you can feel like you're a pretty good judge of character and be surprised. Well, I, my gut told me, uh-uh, this is not a good choice. I just didn't feel it. I didn't think that was a good choice from day one. I didn't see it. I didn't hear it. I didn't feel it, whatever sense you want to put into motion, I didn't think Arthur Smith was a good choice. 
I don't have that same negative feeling about Raheem Morris. I mean, I, uh, it's not my priority. It's not, it wasn't my preferred choice, I should say. But I don't, I don't feel that same horrible feeling I felt with Arthur Smith. But, I mean, could I sit here and say that if Arthur Smith had had a better quarterback last year, they would have been better in 7-10? and 10? Well, sure. Yeah, they probably would have been. And yet, I say that even in spite of the fact that I don't think that Arthur Smith handled the quarterback situation well. I don't think he should have benched Desmond Ritter when he benched him. I certainly don't think he should have benched him the second time when he benched him because I don't think Taylor Heineke was an answer. You attach your horse to that cart, ride it all the way to the end. And instead, because he was feeling the heat of job and and maybe being in jeopardy of, of, of really trying to save his job, he took him out of the lineup. Well, I mean, uh, that was stupid. But if, it, it, you know, in his defense, in Arthur Smith's defense, what if they had gone back instead of going from Matt Ryan to Marcus Mariota and had selected a quarterback? Somehow, someway, gotten a quarterback. Better than Desmond Ritter. Well, he may still be the head coach today. So, look, talent is important for coaching. I mean, I'm not breaking any news there. Like I, I don't know if you heard, but I broke news earlier in the show when I said that John F. Kennedy had been shot by someone other than Lee Harvey Oswald. That was only brought up because Lee Harvey... Why is Lee Harvey Oswald in the news? Well, people were saying he looks like Brock Purdy. <laughs> All of a sudden, at Media Day's Super Bowl, one of the different things out there was the fact that Brock Purdy looked like Lee Harvey Oswald. Oh, wow. And all of a sudden, Andy Reid looks like, you know. <laughs> What's the guy's name who shot Lee Harvey? Now I can't remember that. But anyway, Jack Ruby. Him. All right. Where did that tangent come from? I just went for the whole. That was like a wade from Warner Robin's phone call. That went in all kind of different directions. Uh I had a t- uh, secret text line thing. Um, also, Bill, if you go to the Falcons website, they have changed your coaching to show you the change. But if you go to the front office, it still shows Rich McKay <laughs> because he is still there. Well, I, I know that. That's I think that's where people are like, mm, I don't know if I trust this situation or not. I don't know if I and I, I think there's plenty of reasons to feel that way. Jack Ruby, what did I say? Does Andy Reid look like Jack Ruby? Let's spread that rumor. Back with more right after this. Now, back to the Bill Shank Show on the Superstations. This was not a number one song from 1981. Peaked at number two on the Hot 100. How about that? That 
actually was used by Microsoft in their Windows 95 marketing campaign. First time the Rolling Stones had ever allowed a company to use her song in an advertising campaign. And again, next year, next week rather, all love songs. I think we need to guess what the love songs are that are going to, the sappiest love songs that we can ever think of. You sure El DeBarge is not one of them? It, uh, El DeBarge is nowhere to okay. be found on that. Some of those El DeBarge type songs in the 80s were like, give me a gun right now. They were rough, you know? I'm trying to think of, of um, well, who was that Who was that guy? Um, was it Jeremy, In- what's his name? Jeremy Ingram? Ingram? James Ingram. James Ingram didn't he sa- didn't he have some sappy love songs there in the eighties, Chris? Uh, I think so, but no, we don't we don't have any of James Ingram. Next okay, week. good, good, that's good. All right, well we um, won't look forward to that for sure. No, we will. I'm just kidding. Chris does a good job putting these together every week. Have we have we missed any like who was on your list of coming up groups? Um. Well, after next week, we got Billy Joel. Oh, cool. And I thought we had done this group before, but apparently we hadn't. The Eagles. We've not done the Eagles before? We have not done the Eagles before. Wow, that's one of my favorite groups. Yeah, they'll be coming up at the end of the month. Wow. Okay, good. Well, good. I like that. Those two of my favorites, Billy Joel and and, uh, the Eagles. And, you know, the Eagles have done pretty well without Glenn Fry. I didn't think, I mean, we were on the air when Glenn Fry died, and I think we were all like, my God, Glenn Fry died? We were, I remember we were on the air the other other place, as they say, and saw that and were kind of taken aback by it. But um, And Vince, uh, what's his name? Vince Gill? Isn't that the one that sits in now with the Eagles instead of uh, yep. Glenn Fry? And he's done pretty well with him. I've heard him. He's good. He's really good. And Glenn's son, I think, is also kind of part of that rotation there to to uh, help them. But anyway, all right, phone lines are open, 478-646-3776. We hope you'll join us. We are talking sports up until the top of the hour. All right, um, tonight, oh, I've, I've got to mention earlier, Georgia Tech got a, had an awful game last night. Oh, man, what in Georgia Tech, you know, I, I do want Georgia Tech to be successful. I'm not like Jeff. Jeff wants him to be O and everything. <laughs> Jeff doesn't want Georgia Tech to win a single game. And I, I get that. Don't get me wrong. I get it. But I, 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 I think Georgia Tech should be successful because there's too much talent in state football and basketball to not be successful. Georgia Tech has beaten North Carolina and Duke this year. And they turned around and last night lost to Wake Forest, a team with, a, I don't know, so-so, well, I think they were 14-8, and eight, something like that, by 29 points. Like, what the heck is that? How can you do that? I, I just, I don't I don't get that at all. Um, so that that was rather, rather strange for sure. But um, anyway, Tech is uh, now 10-13 and 13 on the year. Three and nine in the ACC, and 
They'll be back in action this week. Georgia with a big game tonight against Mississippi State, and again, that game will be on the Superstations. So, Chris, we're going to have the Hawks game and then flip over to Georgia for all the frequencies that cover the dogs? Yes. Okay, so the Hawks will be on at 7 from Boston. So we'll have about the first half of the of the Hawks and the Celtics, and then we'll flip over for the – uh, Georgia game with the pregame at eight thirty and the tip at nine. Or what are we? Or what are you going to do? You're going to keep it till the tip at nine, Chris? What are you going to do? Um, we're going to start it at the pre-show at uh, eight thirty-five. Okay, so we'll have about the first half of the Hawks game, and then you'll uh, flip over, and we'll have the Georgia game. Uh, those of you in in uh, Brunswick, you'll be able to hear the whole Hawks game tonight. So there you go. Uh, and my computer just died for some reason, Chris. So if we get a phone call, you'll have to let me know. The um, Man, J-Rad just went nuts on us. Did you? He, J-Rad just said, oh, my God, I despise the Eagles. Wow. How do you listen to Take It Limit and feel good about yourself? <laughs> wow. Oh, my gosh, J-Rad. Now, come on now. I think there are some really good Eagles songs. I And Hotel California. <laughs> Life in the Fast Lane, there's really good Eagle songs. Come on, J-Rat, I think you're in the minority of that. And now, now, now see, who, who oh, oh, you know, I, I said someone that I don't like, and I got a horrible response from a buddy of mine, but I was just being honest. Here's someone that I don't, I've never really enjoyed listening to, and I know this is going to be very unpopular and please don't hold it against me and please listen to my show tomorrow and Friday and for the rest of time. Bob Seeger is not one of my favorites. It just I don't know. It just I don't you know, because we're not you know, and and performers and whether you're on a stupid talk show here, I'm not a performer, but you know what I mean. I mean I know everybody's not gonna like old Billy here. Some people are going to think, well, what a schmuck, what a smart ass. You know, they're going to think different things. I get that. I mean, I learned a long time ago in broadcasting, you're not going to make everybody happy. You know, you may do a great job and do a perfect sports cast, and someone's going to think, man, you look out of your eyes the wrong way or something. So that's just the way broadcasting is. And performers know this too. Singers, they know, you know, everybody's not going to like me. But there's something about Bob Seger's always bothered me. And I, and I, I guarantee J. Rad's probably getting on me on Twitter about that right now. Because we're all going to have our our groups that are like, ah, I just don't think so. So J. Rad's obviously not an Eagles fan. Okay, I get it. That's fine. Now I don't think I don't think J. Rad liked Culture Club either. Neither did I, J-Rad. Don't worry about it. Let's don't have Culture Club if we can avoid it, Chris. Can you? Well, I mean, if we were to do that, we'd just be playing Karma Chameleon the entire afternoon. That's true. (laughs) They had another one besides that, didn't they? Yeah, but no one ever knows it. Okay. (laughs) What is it? What is it? I don't even know, so. (laughs) (laughs) Keith says, I really don't love the Eagles care for the eagles either but i love bob seger see there you like bob seger chris um i actually had to pick my jaw up off the floor when you said that you don't like bob seger yeah i mean i he's one of my favorites i remember jamming out to him in the car when i was like three years old three yeah do we need to call your parents for like call defects on you on your parents (laughs) 
No, no. You like you some Bob Seger, huh? Yeah, yeah. J-Rad says Bob has some great songs, but also a lot of garbage. You know, there you go. Like a rock. I mean, I, I guess that was good for the Ford commercials, but I don't know. Just not one of my favorites. Nothing against him. I'm sure he's a great guy. I think he was on the sidelines of one of the games recently, but not one of my favorites. Eagles, though. How can you not like the Eagles? Uh, Les from Macon, who never comes on the show anymore. He says Queen. Have we have we done had Queen on this Wednesday thing? Yes, we have. Okay. I, I forgot so. how long ago, but we did. All right. All right. <laughs> okay. All right. Um Yeah, I think I remember that now. I do remember that. I do that. We we, we need some more recommendations on Twitter for our group of the week if we missed any groups of the uh <laughs> I just looked up at Billy Idol's commercial. Have we done Billy Idol? <laughs> uh, I don't think so. Billy Idol, Idol may be pretty decent. Yeah. He might be a good one. He's not Maybe. a one-hit wonder. Yeah. Bachman Turner Overdrive. Now we're getting all kind. Alex is Bon Jovi. I think we've done Bon Jovi, haven't we? Uh, I don't think I don't no, we haven't. No? Okay. I'm surprised. Put that on your list. Bon Jovi and who else? Bon uh Bachman Turner Overdrive. Okay. I thought we had done that before, but apparently I don't think not. we've done them. Nope. I don't think so. I don't I don't think we have. All right. Yeah, it's good suggestions though. We did ARS, didn't we? Oh yeah. Yeah. We also did uh, Killer on Trumpet. We're never doing that again. Yeah, though. why hadn't Killer called up and played the trumpet lately? Killer, oh, we're God. requesting this. Because a lot of people may not have heard it. Keith says we need more rock. Alice and Chains. Boy, J-Rad is just vulgar. 70s bubblegum blank. New kid in town. <laughs> uh, hey, J-Rad, do you want us to start playing Copacabana again? Oh, my God. So how did that happen today? I missed, I'm glad I missed that today. Let's <laughs> don't play Barry Manilow. Or no, not Barry Manilow. Yeah, uh, that is. It is. Is that Barry Manilow? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, I, Jeff was mentioning cheesy uh, love songs for next week. Oh, okay. And that's how that came about. I write the songs that make the whole world sing. Yeah. I write the songs that like make that. the whole world puke. Yeah. Yeah. I don't I don't think we need Barry Manilow on this station. <laughs> He's worse than Bob Seger, I believe. Just a little bit. Yeah, we, if you want any suggestion, have any suggestions for us, go to Twitter, at Bill Shanks. And if you want for us to stop talking about this, well, we're getting ready to, don't worry. So we got the Hawks tonight. We're, uh, we'll see tomorrow about the trade deadline. Will the Hawks make a trade? Who knows what the old Hawks will do? I don't know. It's hard to predict them. Very hard to predict them. I, I mean, I, don't, I just don't know what to expect from the Hawks. I mean, they, they may win a night in Boston. And then trade half the team tomorrow. That's just the way they are. But we'll have the first half of the game for you in Macon and Savannah and the whole game for you in Brunswick. And the dogs come on tonight, 8.30 pregame, 9 o'clock tip. Let's see if they can beat the other dogs out in Starkville. You're listening to The Bill Shanks Show.